This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, this morning we ask for your grace that we may hear your word and obey it and that we may truly practice a holy Lent. Amen. You may be seated. We need Lent. Now I know that may sound strange given the year that we've had. Mother Karen referred to this past year during her Ash Wednesday sermon as one long, unchosen, and yet corporate fast. She pointed out that we've had to fast from family get-togethers. We've had to fast from all social contact. We've had to fast from so many of the things in our day-to-day life that give us life. And so why is it that we still need Lent? Well, as one writer puts it, it's because we are not ready for Easter. Not emotionally, not spiritually, We've exchanged God's exhilarating and expansive story for lesser stories shaped by our fears, our pain, and unhealthy desires. Our hearts are not ready for Easter, and so we need Lent. Because we need the practice of reorientation, of remembering the story of the gospel, the story of who we are. We need to enter into that story again and again, and not just cognitively, but experientially. Lent helps us to do just this. Our scriptures for this morning that we just had read, as well as the Old Testament reading from Genesis 9 that's assigned for today, which is the story of the covenant with Noah after the flood, these stories help us to do just this because these stories remind us of who we are, but they also remind us of who God is. And as we look to these passages, we will see that we not only need Lent, but Lent and repentance are actually gifts and blessings from God. We first see how repentance is a gift when we take a fresh look at Noah and the flood. I asked the children for their favorite stories because, like I said to them, one thing every good story has in common, or most good stories, is that they introduce a problem, a tragedy, something goes wrong, and they help us to not only understand, but to feel the weight of that tragedy. They make us feel the depth of the despair. And why do they do this? Because they know That if we can feel just how bad things are, if we can feel the depth of the despair, then when everything is made right, we will feel it all the more. So we have to acknowledge just how grave the situation is. This is true if we're talking about Cars 3 or Home Alone, but it's also true regarding the Gospel. 
And so in order to understand the significance of the flood, we actually need to begin back in Genesis 1. We read in the first couple of verses that God was hovering over the face of the waters. Our story, it begins with God and with water. This imagery is incredibly intentional. In the time that Genesis was written, it was common for stories to use water as a symbol of chaos and disorder. And so for our story to begin with God hovering over the depths of the water, it's saying something. It's saying that He is in control of the chaos and the disorder. Not only that, but we see Him enter in and separate the waters from the waters, making the sky. We see Him making dry land, giving the chaos and the disorder a boundary. He not only does that, He takes it, and from that chaos, He brings about life. This is the beginning of our story, and this perspective shapes the way that we see the flood. We read in Genesis 6-5 that the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. We as humans chose our own way. We chose to turn our backs on God. And in doing so, we chose disorder. We chose chaos. And so... As the flood, or, and so the flood was God's way of allowing us to have just that. He was allowing us to have the disorder and the chaos that we chose. It was uncreation, a reversal of the life-giving work of God in Genesis 1. This, this reality is our tragedy. This is the dark moment in our story. Not so much that the world was destroyed by the flood, but that we chose to reject our God and the life that He offered us for chaos and disorder. And isn't this true of us today? Isn't this what's happening every time we choose sin today? Lent challenges us to look this reality in the face, to recognize the disordering nature of our sins, to recognize the way that it disintegrates us, literally unintegrating us. And it's this need to acknowledge the problem of our sin. It's, it's a need to, to feel the weight of that that need is why giving up so many of the things that distract us during this time of Lent is a healthy practice. Because if you're like me, it's, it's hard to find quietness, even in your own mind. I can choose movies, television, uh, social media, even a good book or a conversation with a friend. And I will almost always choose those things over just the quietness. Rarely am I alone with my thoughts. Rarely am I quiet enough to hear the Spirit speaking. Now those things in and of themselves might be good things, a good book, a good conversation with friends on the phone, an interesting movie. The problem isn't the content. The problem is that I'm not quiet enough to allow the Spirit to speak. 
to allow the Spirit to convict me of the thoughts and the words and the actions that are not of God. The sinful thoughts and words and actions that are chaotic and disordering. No, we need God to convict us. I need to be convicted. I need to be convicted of the bitterness in my own heart that stems from unforgiveness, of the pride that rears its head in my insecurities or my boasting, of the anger that flows out of my entitlement, of any sexual sin that I might justify, of the prejudice that I allow to fester, of the gluttony that I dismiss, of the self-righteousness that I project. We have to acknowledge the problem. We have to acknowledge our sinfulness. We have to make room for the Spirit to convict us where we need to be convicted. And this is true when life is fast-paced and busy, but as we've seen over the past year, it's also true when life is slow and boring because we're really, really good at distracting ourselves. We need Lent. Now to do this, to take a long, hard look at ourselves and our sin, at the chaos and the disorder that we have caused, it's, it's hard, it's painful, it's embarrassing, and it can be very frustrating, but it is the first step in repentance. And repentance is a gift. You know, repentance doesn't always feel like a gift, and yet, while repentance is a call away from something, it is also a call to something. Repentance is a call to deeper intimacy with the Lord. It's a call back to God and the life that He has for us. This is why at the beginning of the message I said we need to not only remember who we are, which is not always a pretty picture, but we also need to remember who God is. Genesis 9, the, the Old Testament reading for today, actually tells the story of God's covenant with Noah after the flood. It's a message of great hope because God promises that no matter what, he will never allow the uncreation of the flood to happen again. In fact, if we trace this theme of water throughout the scriptures, we see just who God is. He is the God who kept the ark afloat. He is the God who parted the Red Sea, delivering his people from slavery and death. He is the God who took the bitter water of the wilderness and made it sweet. He is the God who parted the Jordan River, bringing his people into the promised land. This theme of salvation through the water is no coincidence. No, God is revealing something about himself. He's revealing that he is the God who can enter in and save us from our own chaos and disorder, from our own sin. And all of this imagery culminates in our gospel reading this morning. It is in Christ's baptism that we see it all come together. This is the moment in the story when the darkest of nights, when the hopeless situation breaks. This is the moment when God himself became a man, and waded into the Jordan River. This is the climax of our story. The God who continually saved his people through the waters has entered in to save us once and for all. And so it makes sense that when we, you and I, become Christians, that it is our practice 
to enter into the waters of baptism. This very act of baptism, it's an act of faith and it is an act of repentance. It is a forsaking of the world and the flesh and the devil and it is a clinging to Christ. This is why in our epistle for this morning, 1 Peter can write, or Peter can write in 1 Peter, baptism, which corresponds to this. And if we look back, what he's referring to is this being Noah and his family being saved through the waters. Now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from your body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through, Jesus, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our act of repentance through our baptism, that act of faith is a gift. It means giving up our sin, yes, and it means receiving the new life in Christ. This is why the Apostle Paul can write, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who have died to sin live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him in baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Newness of life. This is the other side of the repentance this is why that we can say that repentance, that Lent, is a gift. Because yes, I do need to be convicted of the bitterness that stems from unforgiveness so that, so that I may know true peace. I need to be convicted of the pride that rears its head in my insecurities or my boasting so that I can rest knowing that my identity is in Christ. Of the anger that flows out of my entitlement so that I can know the true joy of loving someone else. Of any sexual sin that I might justify so that I can experience true intimacy. I need to be convicted of the prejudice that I let fester so that I can experience the blessing of love and friendship with people who are different than me of the gluttony that I dismiss so that I can remember where my true satisfaction is found, of the self-righteousness that I project so that I can rest in His mercy and His grace. Why do I need Lent? Why do you need Lent? We need Lent because we need the gift of repentance. And how is repentance a gift? It's a gift because it's a call to the newness of life. Easter is coming. Easter is coming and with it the joy of the resurrection, the joy of newness of life. But that newness can only truly be felt, can only truly be had when we've accepted the gift of repentance, when we've accepted the gift of Lent. We cannot just skip ahead to Easter. We need Lent. Let us pray. Father God, 
We come to you as those who need your mercy and your grace. Through this season of Lent, we ask that you make our sin bitter so that Christ may be all the more sweet. Prepare our hearts for Easter, O Lord. It's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen.